I never told anybody to lie. My biggest job is to prevent the enemy from hitting us again. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. America's best days are yet to come. You ain't seen nothing yet. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. We have the power to make this the best generation of mankind in the history of the world. Or to make it the last. Hello, everybody. This is Philip Stuckey with the Daily Caller News Foundation and Mr. Ted Goodman over here. We are. Uh, this is our first um, foray into a weekly podcast um, that we will be posting on iTunes, on Stitcher, as well as being uh, doing on Facebook Live. Uh, thank you very much for joining us so far today. Uh, so, Ted, uh, what do we have on the uh, what do we have in the uh, docket for today? Uh, so today we uh, will talk about uh, Syria and the president's uh, intervention, measured response last night. Um, of course, Judge Gorsuch was just confirmed to the United States Supreme Court, and then there's some 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 elections happening here this year that I know you've taken great interest in. Uh, Virginia, who is uh, electing their next governor, yeah. and then a special election in Georgia, uh, yes. in the Atlanta suburbs. Yes, yeah, At, uh, Atlanta is uh, going to try and replace uh, Representative Tom Price. And uh, we'll, we'll discuss that. But uh, first of all, um, I don't know if you heard the big news, but uh, Donald Trump started, uh, you know, finally uh, attacked Syria, at least the uh, the the, silita- the Syrian air air base. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, of course, a few days ago, a lot of you are aware of of, of the allegations against uh, Assad's uh, military. Yeah. Um, who apparently had have launched uh, gas attacks, which break numerous uh, international uh, treaties. Uh, gas his own people, and some of those pictures, some of those pictures were just just horrific, horrific pictures of of, of dead children, um, of course, uh, men and women as well. Uh, the death count, I believe, was north of seventy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's uh, seventy people. And I think um, not even just the pictures. Um, you know, we saw uh, the United Nations uh, ambassador uh, Nikki Haley. You know, show, share the pictures on the floor of the United Nations, but we also saw um, live video. Um, of the attacks actually happening, like there was a video circling around Facebook um, that actually showed um, people gasping for breath um, and things. And I think, you know, we've seen, um, you know, there's obviously been, um, you know, horrific tragedies of genocide and, you know, nationwide and throughout history. But I think the the Internet age is allowing us to kind of see um, something a little bit more uh, in depth, uh, if you will than what we've seen in the past. And, you know, basically when you can see live video of something, you know, a lot of commenters have said that, you know, this is actually, you know, the amount of turnaround time between sure. um, the attack and then the United States response is, you know, kind of remarkably fast. And I think that's just kind of a reflection of the Internet age and the fact that, you know, we can see something. And, you know, by the fact that there's, you know, countless um Video recordings, countless pictures that we can actually confirm that it's true mm-hmm. and act. Sure. And I think that's, um, you know, that, that's definitely something that, um, you know, globally, I think is, is great, uh, as far as, you know, extending the values of democracy and, and other, and other issues, which of course brings us to the next debate. Should we extend, uh, democracy to other nations? Well, uh, that, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, well, why don't we discuss what happened? So last night, the president, uh, ordered, Tomahawk strikes against a, a Syrian air base, the base where um, Assad's forces apparently took off to launch this horrific chemical attack on uh, on, on his own people. 
And uh, it was a measured response. Uh, that's what you'll hear from most uh, national security experts. And even, even some of the experts that I saw on MSNBC last night yeah. um, uh, kind of took the president's side on, on what they considered a measured response, right? So it was something around like 60 Tomahawk missiles yeah, hit 60. the airbase. And I heard, um, I heard the Russians were able to shoot down um, a good, a good pr- portion of them. Oh, wow. um, I've heard as much as 10 uh, could be more. Um, were intercepted, but uh, which is also something of interest because you know there's somewhat of a limited um, ability for Russia to actually respond to some sort of an attack. Um, so that I mean, I thought that was quite interesting um, that even though they did try to actually respond because they actually knew about the attack beforehand, um, Russia yeah, we, did, uh, we you, did inform them. We do have yeah. an open line of communications with uh, Russian forces uh, because there are, there are multiple. Uh, sovereign nation states conducting operations in, in Syria. And so we do want to make sure that, that, that we're uh, steering clear of one another. And so yeah. word was that we did inform them. And, and of course, then I'm sure the Syrians uh, uh, were able to uh, move at least some of their equipment out of the way. But apparently we did hit a number of their uh, aircraft and facilities at the yeah. base, and it was considered yeah. a very successful strike. S- several of the um, the hangars, or you know, I think the actual yeah. term on the map yeah. was you know, aircraft storage facilities, yeah. um, were completely destroyed. And what's and what's interesting is to kind of measure uh, the president's response here uh, to what happened uh, under President Obama, right? And uh, yeah, that was, a, that was the summer of 2013 uh, when President Obama did come out and say, you know, this is a red line. This is a red line. If if you're gassing your own people. You know, we're not going to stand for that, and we're going to take action. Right. And, and, and of course, uh, Assad uh, did, in fact, gas his own people um, at that time. And the president, you know, we didn't, we didn't respond. Um, he, yeah. he got cold feet, and then he, tried, he went to Congress and asked for, uh, you know, tried to, tried to get out of it by asking them to, to authorize the use of force. And, of course, Congress at the time, and some would argue even now, um, are kind of unable to make those sorts of decisions or are unwilling to. Um, and so here we have a president who kind of took decisive what, – what, what many consider decisive action, immediate yeah. action, but a measured response. Yes. Uh, and one, again, that was praised by many in the national security uh, community. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's uh, – you know, it's, it's an interesting response because, you know, President Donald Trump has made a kind of a larger issue um, throughout the campaign um, as kind of being some something that was willing to kind of – um, step away from the you know the the world police kind of presence, if you will, um, you know, uh, kind of hitting um, you know Jeb Bush uh, for actions that President George W. Bush took in, in Iraq, and, and you know President Obama took, and you know in other nations, and so I think um, you know I'm cu- kind of curious, and, and and if anyone here has any opinions on this matter, please let us know in the comments um, because basically we want to know um, you know is this is, is this a violation? Of some, some sort of yeah. premise that uh, that Trump made to voters, or is this just a continuation of kind of a no nonsense foreign policy uh, that we've come to expect? That and that's and that is something interesting. You know, I've I've spoken to some some, some Trump supporters in that, and and yeah, there's a even amongst the the, the Trump support, um, there's a there's a division right now. Yeah, you know, some of them were attracted to the president's uh, message on the campaign trail because he kind of spoke against. Um, recent administrations, including Republicans, uh, yeah. George W. Bush, and spoke against kind of their their foreign policy approach, where where we were kind of going into other places. Um, of course, the war on terror, uh, the, the war in Iraq um, and, and Afghanistan, um, and and people were kind of like, you know, what are we doing over here? What are we doing in all these different places? We have enough problems here at home. And the president, even at some of the debates in the primaries, um, criticized President Bush 
Yeah. You know, on stage. That, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, several times. Um, and so, you know, that's going to be, you know, moving forward. And that is the central question. Um, you know, is this kind of a, a mark of a um, more aggressive foreign policy? Um, or is this just simply, you know, kind of a, kind of a, a game theory kind of response where, you know, if you, if you punish every, every time someone breaks the rules, then people stop breaking the rules. So is it part of just like kind of a disjointed situation or is it kind of more coherent? And, and, uh, and this is, and of course, this is much deeper than just the recent um, chemical weapons used by Assad on his own people, right? Right. Um, you know, when the Ukrainian thing sparked up and the Russians started threatening Europe with, with their gas supply, of course, Europe relies on, on, on a lot of Russian gas. Um, Russia started threatening Europe with that, and Qatar is like, okay, well, we'll build, a, we'll build a pipeline from Qatar, and they have large, large gas reserves. We'll build a pipeline all the way up to Europe, and, and we can start helping you out with that. And Assad said no. You know that pipeline was yeah. would have had to go through Syria, and um, and Assad said no. And so a lot of this, you know, that is a that is a, a part of this. That's a factor in this uh, in this ongoing, I guess, crisis for sure. Um, and of course, Russia relies on Syria as a, a you know very important strategically for their naval forces and yeah. access to the Mediterranean. I mean, if you look at a map. Uh, Russia's access to the Mediterranean through the Black Sea right now is just through an, a narrow strait in Turkey. And, and, of course, with the instability there, um, Russia relies on, on their alliance with Syria big time. Uh, and, of course, Syria buys a lot of their weapons and defense, you know, from Russia. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's kind of like, um, you know, what's, what's interesting is um, it appears to me uh, that, you know, basically Russia is kind of engaging in this, this foreign policy that uh, – that Vladimir Putin has long kind of um, demonized the United States for, um, you know, for instance, like, you know, all throughout, um, you know, kind of recent history, at least, you know, whenever we have an interest, you know, we'll, we'll sell, send them, send them arms at a discount, um, you know, things like that. And, you know, and Russia is doing the exact same thing, except for some reason he's, you know, defending democracy, um, you know, we're just, you know, yeah. colonialism. Well, this would be a question I'd have for foreign policy experts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. You know, if you want to arm these rebel groups, how do we know who to arm, right? Like, if right. you want to take out Assad from the inside there, uh, who do you arm? Who is who in this fight? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's kind of that's kind of like the, the, the this key um, kind of key argument that uh, some members of the Democratic uh, left are, are kind of making is that you know, oh well, you know, if you aren't if, if you aren't supporting Assad, you know, you're, you're supporting Al Qaeda, and um, you know, there are some reports that uh, that the rebels are working with Al Qaeda, but you know, I think it's just. I, I think that it comes from a place of this decision that Trump made of saying, "Hey, this is bad, and uh, we're going to do something about it." But uh, you know, anyway, we've uh, we've spent a lot of time on this. Well, um, just just one more sure. point on that. Yeah, one more point. Uh, I think Russia is in a very precarious situation here because Assad's regime. You know, Assad is part of a, a small minority population within Syria, and Syria itself is made up of a minority uh, Muslim population. Well, very, you know, large Islamic population, but a minority sect of, of, of Islam. And so they're in a they're in a tough spot right now, you know, yeah. continuing to support Assad and, and the Alawites in a country where they are the overwhelming minority. That's true. That's very true. Um, so anyway, so that's not the only thing that happened this week. It's been a really, really busy week for the news. Um, you know, Judge uh, Judge Neil Gorsuch is now the uh, the newest member of the Supreme Court. Yes. Officially. Yes. 
And um, and that was a long fight. Um, I think that's it, what's you know it started honestly. Um, a lot of our readers probably um, don't have a lot of respect for uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Um, but I think it's it's just important to note again that uh, the only reason that there was a vacancy in the first place uh, was because he refused to actually give uh, Obama's appointee uh, Merrick Garland a vote. And uh, so, what, what do you think? I mean, would you? I mean, you know, basically the Democratic argument is that, you know, basically this seat was stolen um, yeah. from Garland. What do, you, what do you think about that? I mean, we haven't confirmed a Supreme Court justice in an election year in, in quite a long time, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it was clearly a political thing, right? I'm not, let's not right. sit here and pretend that not, not, <laughs> not getting uh, yeah. Garland through wasn't a political move. But um, it. Uh, I think that from a political standpoint – that that definitely benefited uh, the president in the campaign, right? Having that open seat, yeah, um, and uh, having that opening, you know, for conservatives that may not have been on board with President Trump, you know, it came down to well, you may not like everything about Trump, but when it comes to filling that Supreme Court vacancy, do you want that to be Hillary Clinton, yeah, or or President Trump, who who had assured folks on during the That's campaign true. that he he would he would uh, nominate a, a conservative justice? That's true. And you know, and, and there is something to be said that uh, for the fact that you know, basically the, the the Supreme Court was a key part of the 2016 election. Yeah. Um. You know, a big part of coalition building within the Republican Party was based on whether or not you wanted a conservative replacement um, to Scalia, or if you wanted you know who who whoever uh, the Democrats you know wanted to put in. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's kind of what happened. And, you know, I think what's interesting with, you know, basically, as, as we know, um, the Senate actually had to invoke the nuclear option, um, which basically was able to cut off the, uh, the threatened filibuster, or filibuster, sorry. Which and, Harry Reid and the Democrats kicked off quite a few, sorry about that. Yeah, no, Harry Reid is behind there. The Democrats now, they might try to, you know, Tell people, oh, look what the Republicans are doing and this and that. <laughs> it, it was the Democrats that, that opened the door and that had to do with, uh, although that had to do with Republicans blocking a lot of President Obama's, um, uh, DC circuit appointments to some of the federal courts. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, so, you know, we, we passed the nuclear option and, uh, you know, Democrats, they, uh, they really, they kind of fundraised off of this issue quite a bit, um, throughout the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I even got, um, I got three emails from the DNC, uh, last night saying, you know, you know, this is our last possible chance to fight for, you know, thing, which is interesting because, you know, using, using the nuclear option, you know, there was really no fight. The only fight was, do we do this the easy way or do we do this the hard way? And, you know, honestly, I mean, you know, it's hard to debate which one was a hard way. But, you know, for Democrats, it definitely was this because, you know, you, you basically you have, um, you know, some of these Democrats that are in, um, you know, red states are going to have to say, no, you know, I oppose this person. And they're going to have to go home to their districts and say that. And, you know, 2018 is going to be going to be a very expensive, going to be a very expensive election year. And, and of course, uh the Supreme Court and the importance of that is so much more than just you That's know, the horse race and politics. That's true. However, this is a huge victory for the president. Judge Gorsuch, what is he, 49 years old? I mean, yeah. he could be on this court for the next 30 to 40 years and That's true. really yeah. transform uh, some some that's very true. big policy issues here in this country. Yeah, and so it's kind of hard leaving his lasting legacy now. That's true. Well, I mean, that's that's up for debate. Um, you know, because you know we've seen kind of where um, some justices necessarily didn't necessarily vote the way they were quote unquote supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with uh, with Kennedy, who kind of began to see himself as kind of 
you know, the, the middle ground and, and didn't necessarily vote as conservative as, mm-hmm. you know, people on the right would like. Um, so, and, you know, that remains to be seen. That's the next kind of fight here. Um, Will Neil Gorsuch, who has a very long career of taking the middle ground and finding, you know, what the law actually is supposed to mean in different cases and, uh, you know, with it built up a very I wouldn't even say take the middle ground. I mean, those that know him have said, you know, he is just a just the epitome of what a lawyer should be, right? And, and right. when he was a judge, what a judge should be. Right. Um, and, and that's examining the facts and applying the law. Yeah. Um, so I don't even like the, uh, okay. the middle ground. And that, that's fair. You know, I think he's just he's just a really good attorney and, and his peers say as much. And so I think it was unfortunate some of the things we heard the Democrats yeah. spewing and the hateful rhetoric that we heard from the left against just a good man. Yeah, I know. Apparently, you know, he's being being supported by Wall Street, if you believe all of the Democratic fundraising emails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so, I mean, that's that's kind of a big key issue. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll remain to be seen uh, who or if anybody has to be replaced under Obama yeah. administration. But I, I, Well, I was monitoring our comments, and this is something just not just to go back to Syria real quick. Sure. I'm very curious amongst our listeners and Facebook live viewers. Those that supported President Trump, I want to know where they stand on the Syria thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because there's, you know, there's there's the camp where, you know, you, you, you ran on kind of a non-interventionist approach, right? And right. we like that. You know, let's focus on America. Yeah, America what we need to first. do here domest- domestically. Yeah. And then there's those that say, you know what? We like the president. He's taking a strong stance. This is so different than under President Obama where he's setting these red lines and countries are just walking all over them. So to me, I'm, I'm very curious to know. Uh, where specifically his supporters, but of course all Americans stand on on this, uh, and it'll be interesting to follow that in the coming days. Yeah, and maybe what's uh, going on in the White House and, and those that are speaking with the president and his closest advisors. I would oh, there'd be a fly on the wall with the, in those discussions. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, honestly, I think um, a lot of the de- the Democratic reporters to kind of you know go into this issue again, um, basically kind of made fun of um, President Trump's response. Basically, he said, you know, yeah, you know, President, you know, Assad is in charge there. And so, you know, we got to do what we got to do. Or, you know, I don't remember the the exact words. Um, Well, there's something you said about having stability in a region that's just. uh, Yeah. And um, and so, you know, that's kind of, you know, Assad was responsible and there wasn't really kind of any kind of word officially that a particular step would be taken. Uh, And then we found out, hey, look, yeah, we, we we bombed these guys, and and that was in the airbase we hit last night. You know, it was very strategic, very measured. We gave them the heads up, and it was to let them know that you know this is a different administration. I think so it's I think it's very clear to just point out that we let you know our our military commanders let the Russian military commanders know. Yeah, who in turn we assume let the Syrian commanders know. Of course, but yeah. but you know we took action, and 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 I'm sure. Um, Assad's on notice now, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens here in the coming days. Yeah, it's, it certainly will. It certainly will. Well, Philip, I'd like to turn our attention to maybe some uh, yeah, some, some domestic political races here in 2017. Yeah. Um, so I know that uh, that everyone w- watching and reading is uh, like, oh, wow, elections are coming back up again. But, yes, we actually have um, some huge elections that are coming up next week even. Um the uh, the Georgia Six uh, Special District race is uh, being held to replace Representative uh, Tom Price, who um, you know is now joined the the administration, and uh, so basically, this whole story is um, you know it's, it's it's a safe Republican seat has been for decades, and uh, but now there's a Rep- Democrat here that actually legitimately. Um, could have a shot as long as certain things happen. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, basically a what if. I mean, he, he's polling at 40%. 
Um, he has eight point three million dollars. Yeah, well, I was getting to that. Um, he, okay, so it, basically, the uh, the newest financials have come out for the first quarter in twenty seventeen, which includes January, February, and uh, in March. Yeah, and uh, basically in that time period, the three months, um, John Ossoff, Ossoff <laughs> is his name, uh, is the uh, the leading Democrat, and he has raised eight point three million in that t- same time period. And the reason why that's important is because that is almost as much as the latest Senate race in that state. You have Senator uh, Johnny Isaacson who uh, spent 11.2 million completely total in 27 in 2016 2015 for his race to get reelected. And John Ossoff has raised 8.3 million and that's completely completely so much more um than any of the other Republicans because uh Karen Handel is the uh, the next highest Republican as far as donations are concerned and she's read uh, just I think it's uh, somewhere around 500,000. <laughs> which is wow. drastically different. Um, but anyways, so basically, uh, Democrats are trying to make this race a referendum on Donald Trump saying, Hey, this is what we can do. And so, um, you know, th- it turns out there's a national fundraising effort here. Um, it, although, you know, because the reports have just been filed and they've just been published, it's impossible to know exactly where all of those donations came from. But there was massive, um, DC fundraisers that were, t- that, uh, also attended with, um, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, um, and Senator Cory Booker, who were very strong heavy hitters in the Democratic fundraising, um, kind of machine. And, um, and so, you know, the assumption is obviously that a lot of that money is, uh, national. Um, it's been, it's been outside of Georgia. Um, so it's not really clear, um, if it's actually kind of a race, um, uh, between who, um, who the people of Georgia actually yeah. want. It's kind of a, kind of a national thing. And, and, and basically, so the reason why Ossoff can win is because he, he, he held his 40% in the, in the polls. And, uh, we have the general election is, uh, April 18th. And, um, Basically, these people can vote. Uh, anyone can vote in this race. The problem is, is that there's so many Republicans in the race. There's actually, uh, I believe it's, I, I think it's close to like, it, it's a lot of challenges, like between 12 and 18, um, if I remember correctly. And, um, and so you have all the Democrat, because there's so many Republicans, you have the next highest candidate to Ossoff, who is at 40%, remember, is 15%. So the nearest Republican. So basically what happens is, if Ossoff is able to gain, increase his lead enough that he gets 50% or higher on April 18th, he takes it completely. Mm. But he doesn't have much of a chance if he can go into a runoff election. And so basically, and that because a runoff election would theoretically have Ossoff versus any Republican who would kind of, and basically that person would theoretically, um, defeat Ossoff after the Republican field is cleared. And so that's kind of, Basically, the fear here is are Democrats able to capitalize and kind of double down on this movement? And so that's why you're seeing, um, you know, the, the NRCC, the, the National Republican uh, Campaign Committee, our Congressional Campaign Committee is, um, investing significant amounts of money, um, into this race to try and make sure that Republicans don't take the seat that is supposed to be safe Republican. Yep. He's, but he's not, all right. So let's set the state. I don't know if we've explained to, our viewers and listeners, this is uh, the Georgia 6. Yes. Uh, this is uh, northern suburbs of Atlanta. Yes. Traditionally Republican district. Traditionally Republican, traditionally white, uh, better off. New Gingrich's seat. This yes, New, New Gingrich's New speech. Yeah, that's years. right. Um, about 70% white. Yes. Uh, 15, 13 to 14% African American and uh, 13 to 14% uh, Latino. Yes. I believe. Hispanic. Um, and 
he can't he won't win it outright most likely. How do you win the seat outright? He can, right? If he gets So basically it's um it's considered unlikely, but it's it, it's possible. enough that it's giving Republicans yeah. cause to concern okay. because he's at forty percent right now in the in the total okay. in the total he's race. He's picked up some celebrity endorsements. He's kind of becoming yeah. the you know the anti-Trump guy. Yes, he's, he's basically the anti-Trump guy. And uh, in fact, his first fundraiser was titled "Make Trump Furious." If that gives you any indication of what he expects to do, mm-hmm. um, and so basically that's kind of um, what we're talking about there. And um, and so basically, you know, he's just kind of trying to oppose Trump nationally. Um, and the re- and he can win if he's able to convert a lot of people that are undecided um, into voting for him instead of a Republican. Okay, and and so most of these candidates are Republican, and, and I think this Democrat he's raised eight point three million. He yes. doesn't. He probably doesn't want to get into a runoff, correct? When no. you narrow the field between him and a Republican. Yeah, on. if you can narrow the field, he um, he ties with some of them and trails some of them by two point percentage points um, in the most recent polling. Um, but you know, that could go up depending on what, you know, what turnout is. That's, that's basically all it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have elections that are this small, I mean, um, you know, it, it's, it's such a, it's, it's a large district, but it's just, it's, you know, a single district. And so it's basically all down to the fact, you know, who can get who to the polls. So if Republicans are better able to kind of get people to the polls, then, you know, it, 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 it the problem is it's kind of a hit or miss as far as the general election. Uh, I've never been down there. Never been to Atlanta's <laughs> six or Georgia's six district. But oh, yeah. do you think if President Trump came in and, and and made some noise or picked a candidate that would that would assist that so, person? So um, Donald Trump actually didn't do very well in this particular district, okay. um, and so that's kind of what Ossoff's strategy has been is just kind of capitalizing on tr- these 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 Trump voters who kind of basically maybe turned off by recent comments by, you know, turned off by some of the news reports, you know, things like that and kind of voting for him as some sort of a, I don't like what Donald Trump did. And it's an interesting message because I I don't think that would work though. I can tell you one thing about Trump supporters and that they're pretty loyal. You know, they're, they're loyal to the president. There's about 13 to 14% of Trump supporters now that tell, that say they're behind. Oh, there is no way. I, I, don't, I don't buy that. I, I find that hard to believe. I mean, if you were with, if you voted for the president, for President Trump, you went through a lot, right? I mean, That's true. If you're openly supporting President Trump, you know, anyone that did that understands. Um, and I would find it hard to believe that his his supporters would abandon him, you know, this early. But yeah, and uh, you know, and so you know, we just have a couple minutes left in our show. Um, but I just want to go ahead and touch on. Uh, there's another major race that's kind of happening as yes. well. Um, from, uh, from Virginia, uh, which is just a kind of shares a border with, uh, with Washington, D.C., uh, we have, um, basically a race where no state, no Republican has won a statewide race in the state of Virginia, um, for, I think since, um, since Bob McDonnell, uh, who won, um, won the governorship before Terry McAuliffe. And, um, and so basically what you're seeing is you have three Republicans against two Democrats right now. And, um, the Democrats are completely just, um, completely really not sure. Um, they're not united behind their support right now. Um, basically you have, uh, the current lieutenant governor, um, is, uh, Ralph Northam and he, um, serves with, uh, Terry McAuliffe. And, um, there are several, um, uh, members of the Clinton administration, the Clinton campaign have joined, um, uh, joined Northam's campaign. Um, and then you also have Tom Periello, who um, actually moved in uh, from Africa um, a few years ago. He actually um, immigrated to Africa and worked as an attorney general um, to some country in Africa. I'm not entirely sure which one, um, and I don't want to misspeak. Um, but anyway, so 
you have Tom Perry. He joined the race in January after Clinton lost. He was originally banking on a job in the Clinton administration, um, but now he's uh, he's kind of running against um, Ralph Northam. He has just now gotten this week uh, Bernie Sanders approval, uh, and Bernie Sanders actually uh, campaigned with him in uh, actually in Alexandria wow. um, last night at George Mason University, and so kind of the Democratic Party is kind of you know, at odds with each other, at least in, at least in uh, Virginia. And so, you know, that, that kind of is wonders like, you know, is it, who is actually going to show up? Because if you see something along the same lines of what happened with the democratic party in 2016, Mm -hmm. it's very possible that a Republican, if they're able to get kind of, you know, get the, the Trump people behind the establishment people and everyone Mm -hmm. together, it's quite possible that a Republican could actually win a statewide election for governor, which would be a huge turnaround because uh, Terry McAuliffe has actually been behind, um, as, as pushed for an expansion of Medicaid several times in the state. Um, and he's also been, um, he's actually, Terry McAuliffe holds the record, uh, for the most amount of vetoes of any governor in the state ever. And the reason why that is, is because you have Republicans that have, um, Republicans House of Representatives, which is called the House of Delegates in Virginia, because Virginia is weird. Um, and then you have, uh, the Virginia Senate is also run by Republicans. So you have all these Republican bills that are being passed over and sent over to, uh, to McAuliffe, and you just, you know, turn them down. So, you know, this, this could be huge. It could be a huge, um, deal. So basically the reason why we talked about these two races is because these are kind of the barometers for how 2018 is going to go. Um, is the democratic agenda of completely opposing Trump and being that brick wall, is that going to work? Is that going to work with the voters? And is that going to work for the donors? And so we're going to have to see what happens, you know, and it should be noted that, uh, you know, Donald Trump spent roughly half the amount that, uh, that Clinton did during the 2016 election. And yet he still won. Not even half. I, I'm surprised that it was even half. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was uh, 600 million to uh, 1.2 billion. Oh, what's that? Was that the final numbers? Yeah, it's wow. uh, you know give or take, you know, yeah. give or take a couple hundred thousand. <laughs> but um, but yeah. And Virginia so. is an interesting state. Um, yes. A yeah. lot of the population growth has been in northern Virginia, which is actually right outside Washington D.C. Yeah. So a lot of folks that say they live in D.C. sometimes actually live in northern Virginia. So you have. You know, hundreds of thousands of uh, federal government employees, uh, young professionals working inside uh, D.C. And, of course, the president wasn't very popular uh, in, inside the Beltway. And so you have that, that, that area in northern Virginia that's continuing to grow and uh, largely, I would say, democratic. Yes, yeah, uh, very largely you democratic. Have, you have the, the south the southwestern part of the state. And the even south the coal country. Coal country, yeah. very conservative. Even the uh, southern part up against the eastern seaboard, even that part, a lot of military, right? Yeah, the, uh, so the southeast Republican is areas kind of, as well. Yeah, the southeast part of the state is kind of like the poorer area okay. of the state, um, but still kind of tends to be um, more, more Republican mm-hmm. uh, than Democrat, but it's a little bit more evenly mixed there. But uh, but yeah yeah the southern part of the state is kind of uh, basically where Republicans have um, have a kind of centered most of their strategy um, in the past and what's the numbers there yeah and what's really interesting yeah is um, that a lot of the campaigning being done um, by the front runner Ed, Ed Gillespie um, and as well as uh, you have you have to talk to um, to Corey Stewart who is the Prince William County Chair of the Board of Supervisors also running and uh, he's been campaigning very heavily in the northern part of the state as well. Um, wow. So you're actually finding that you know the, these Republicans are basically even during a primary they're not really catering to their base but they're kind of trying to expand um, towards the future uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Absolutely, yeah, fascinating. I mean these are these are two again whether it's true or not I think there's still a lot to 
a lot to wait and see on with the new administration and that. That's true. There's a lot to wait and see on. These will be the early um, kind of the bellwether for 2018. They'll be closely watched. Yes. But the problem is you're seeing such an influx of money into these races from outside the districts, right? That's true. That's entirely true. DC-based groups where it might be a little skewed. So I'm hesitant to, you know, how much should we be – how much will this reflect on, on, you know, how much can we glean from this for 2018 I think is, you know – Hard, hard to say because of it is hard to say. That's true, the, because the, you know it's going to be spread out over so yeah. much. I mean, you know, if you look at the 2018 map, I mean, you know, Democrats. So you only have so there are three states that are rated toss up. Um, you have uh, I forgot which three they are. Well, I'll tell <laughs> I'm you pulling what, up, pulling what? Rick Perry. Did you know about 2018? Yeah, for, for, 20, for 2018, something that partial to Michigan. I, I spent. I grew up in Michigan. Spent most of my life there. Um, yeah. That's that's one Senate seat that I think folks really need to watch closely. If the Republicans put somebody up, uh, a quality candidate, and and really uh, kind of play off of that uh, Trump momentum there and the grassroots that came out big time, uh, they can take that seat. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm convinced they can take that Senate seat. Um, but that's one of those seats where I don't think people are really uh, giving Republicans a lot of, uh, you know, a good chance of winning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, but you know, as far as the the nationwide Senate race, there's three races that are um, that are rated as toss ups, but they're all th- three currently held by Democrats. Um, so oh, yeah, this is a ba- oh this the the Democrats are on defense right in 2018 yeah, most for, of the seats for the are, Senate yeah, for the Senate. For the, yeah. um, and so basically, I mean, that's you know, it's, it's a chance that the GOP could expand to the Senate. Um, it's highly unlikely if you look at um, at, at the past, right? So mm-hmm. and, you know, at, you know, basically, um, it, it's customary. Um, for the first two years of a president's administration to be the the, the most supportive, uh, if you will, um, and then after two years, um, you know, the, the seats started to fade away. You know, the Democrats lost a few Senate seats, lost a few House seats in uh, in 2010, and it's it, it's highly possible um, that something would be kind of go that way. Um, but the map doesn't look good for that to happen for Democrats. It actually, you know, the Republicans could actually um, turn that turn that statistic around. Oh wow, I. I... 100% agree. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us this week. This is our weekly recap uh, with Philip Stuckey and Ted Goodman over here. Uh, we are your politics reporter. <laughs> and reporters. Well, I just wanted to add, you know, we we just started. This is our first time doing this. Um, if you have suggestions for potential names, please send us your ideas, uh, maybe topics in that. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Again, this is our first week. We're just getting this going. Um, but we hope you'll join us again next week and in the future. And, and together, we really want to build something special here. All right, great. Thank you very much for joining us. This is uh, Philip Stuckey and Ted Goodman with the Daily Caller News Foundation coming to you live.